I want to talk to you today about what the world looked like after the resurrection of Jesus. Our theme this year has been beyond, and God has certainly been beyond good to us. Our missions conference was beyond borders as we gave and financially invested in missions fields and missions works. And so the closer we got to Resurrection Sunday, we were like, what are we going to do for Easter Sunday? I said, well, I guess we're going to go beyond the grave. And so here we are today living beyond the grave because of his goodness. Amen. So I want you to join me in the book of Acts chapter 1, verse number 1. To all that are joining us online today, we are so blessed that you would watch and tune in. Thankful that you would take time out of your schedule to watch. And if you happen to catch an echo of this later uh, online or a podcast, whatever, we're so thankful that you would take time to listen to what God is doing here at FPC. This is a special place with very, very special people. And I'm honored to be the pastor of this assembly and thank God for you great people. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. Somebody say, when it was over. He showed himself alive after his passion. This word also means his suffering. By many infallible proofs. I love that because it means you can try, but you can never, ever convince anybody that it wasn't him. He was seen of them for 40 days, speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Today, for the sake of your remembrance, I'm going to preach to you from the subject beyond the grave. Hallelujah. If you would today, just set your Bibles down and we're going to have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to prepare our hearts to receive the word of God. Would you join me right now? Great God in heaven. We are so thankful for what we feel and what we know in this house. Lord, there is no power like your power. There is nothing like your spirit and your presence that's filling this room right now. I pray, God, for every single individual that's under the sound of my voice today, that you would soften the hard hearts, God, that you would uh, let the soil of our souls be prepared to receive the good seed of the Word of God. I thank you, Lord, for the unity that we feel in this place today. It's your spirit that brings us together, Lord. It's your Word today that will bind up the brokenhearted and set at liberty them that are bruised. And we ask that you would do it today in your mighty and powerful name. In Jesus' name, and let the church say amen. amen. Would you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise for his word? You may be seated today. Now, 
I'm not real sure how to make promises. I'm, I don't know what you've heard about Pentecostal preachers. It's true. Sometimes they're, they're long-winded. That's true. Um, I'm, I'm going to try. I can't make any promises. I'm going to try to get this to you today like Domino's pizza, hot, fresh, 30 minutes or less, or it's free. The only difference is I'm not giving refunds. For some of you that used to be into movies in Hollywood and watch all that, you know who Elizabeth Taylor was, and she's, I could just tell you the same thing she told all of her husbands. I sure won't hold you long, but uh, I'm going to do my best today to get you in and out. I want God to speak to somebody in this place. I know that the last couple of years has, has truly rocked some of our worlds. Um, the, the things that we have seen transpire, the feelings that we have had, um, global sickness and pandemic and weird things going on in the world. Is there anybody here that would admit today something's just felt off a little bit, just been kind of weird, just a little bit strange, things we're not used to, like go home, stay home for two weeks, and if you get a negative test, you can leave, and if you don't, and I, I tried to tell them then, I know people that test negative all the time. I, I mean, I know people, it ain't got nothing to do with COVID, they're just negative. They're negative. If you give them a test at any time, they're just negative. You know, I'm like, hey, I can give you all the negatives you want. I know some negative people that anytime you talk to them, they're going to test negative. Praise God. But we can't get them to stay home. So I, I, can't, I can't figure it out. We need some people that are positive. Some people, some people that can speak a little bit of life. But I, I know that in dark times and in rough seasons where it, it's been just a little odd and people have, have experienced doubts and trepidations that perhaps you've never experienced before, that we start to get this feeling like God is maybe losing control, like God is surprised by what's transpiring. We get this feeling that maybe God doesn't really know what he's doing and perhaps he just sat up on the balcony of heaven, started scratching his head and said, oh, myself, what? Am I going to do? How am I going to deal with this? What, what in the world are we going to do? Who am I going to reach out to? But I want to tell you something about God. God is not surprised or caught off guard by anything that we've been through. Nor is he surprised by anything that you're facing today. He is a God that sits high and he looks low. He is a God that is mindful of us in our lowest state. It doesn't matter how dark the day or how long the night. God is able to see you through wherever you are. But there's something you need to know about this church that you're sitting in, okay? This church, uh, we are Pentecostal by experience. We're Pentecostal because of the experience that happened on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. You'll find a lot of people who we call restorationists that believe that uh, Pentecost is maybe some kind of a new church that started a little over a hundred years ago here in the United States of America and there were a couple little revivals that happened and few people got the Holy Ghost and so God restored this idea that came about on the day of Pentecost and, and uh, this Azusa Street revival happened. And, but I, listen, I, this may surprise you. I don't know what you've heard about us, but our roots don't run anywhere close to Azusa. Our, our roots have nothing to do with the Topeka, Kansas revival. Our roots run directly to an upper room in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost was poured out. 
Pastor, why don't you believe in being a restorationist? Because that would mean that this church had to die and at some point be resurrected in history. I don't believe that there's ever been a time since the day of Pentecost that God did not have a people that understood the power of his name and were filled with his spirit. Do you believe, Pastor, that there's going to be restoration in the end time? I do, but I don't believe that the church has ever died and I don't believe that the church has ever been weak. People look at where we're at now and say, oh, God, what are we going to do? What if the government does this and does that? There's no way we can have revival. I've said all of this to tell you this fact today, that this church began in the middle of upheaval. The first century church began in the face of persecution. The first century church uh, came up to be in a time where lockdowns were not abnormal. The government told them when to go, where to go, go to this census, go do that. The government told them what they were going to do and how it was going to be. And if they didn't like it, they had to, Jesus had to go through five trials. It's in your Bible. But just as it was in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus, the Bible said that the children of Israel were in Egypt. They were under bondage and slavery in Egypt, but there's a key That the enemy did not know. The Bible said that the more they oppressed them, the more they grew. The more they afflicted them, the more they grew. The more darkness they went through, the brighter their light got. I want to tell you, this church right here was born in the fire and we're going out in the fire. Let the world be confused if they want to be. But God is not confused. What are you saying, Brother St. Clair? I'm saying I've got a feeling that everything is going to be all right. I've got a feeling that God is not worried at all. God's got a church and everything is going to be all right. The first century Christians, faith of the deity of Christ was not a blind leap into the dark. For only God, they knew. That only God could defeat death. They knew beyond all doubt that Jesus Christ had risen bodily from the tomb. How did they know that? Because with many infallible proofs, they saw him. The Bible said that not only did they see him, but they had touched him. They had eaten with him. They had been alone with him. They had been in crowds with him in closed rooms. And out in the open. And I know some today, try, they, they, they're, they're trying to reconcile in their mind this dual nature of Christ. How is he fully God and fully man? I, I don't understand everything there is to know about Jesus. But let me just tell you that during these days of infallible proofs, there's something you need to know about him. That he was God enough to walk through the wall. But he was man enough to hunger and sit down and eat with him. What do you, what, what, what do you mean? I'm saying you cannot just look at him as a God that's far off and sits in space. And he's not mindful of where you are. He is a God that recognizes not only what's transpiring in the heavens. But he's a God that knows what's happening at your table. The term infallible proofs translates in... The Greek word that's used only this one time in all of scripture. And it means literally this. That with many criteria of certainty. He showed himself to them. 
In other words, he made sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that they were certain of who he was and that he had really resurrected. Why was that necessary? Well, you got to understand that in that day there were a lot of people that didn't like Jesus then too. And so they were going to come up with every kind of conspiracy they could to deny that he had truly risen. There's all kinds of theories out there that people tried to deny the resurrection power of Jesus. They say that somebody came in and stole his body and ran off with it so that the tomb would be empty. Some say that he actually never even died. And that Joseph of Arimathea, when they took him to the tomb, that he made sure there was nobody there at the tomb. And he took him out somewhere in the country where nobody could see him and said, okay, stay right here for three days. And then we'll convince everybody that you died and you rose again. But, oh, he made certain that they knew he was dead because the Bible said that that centurion, that Roman soldier came to him. And he thrust in his side a spear. And the Bible said that their blood and water ran out. Why did he? make sure that in the plan of God that a soldier would come by and puncture and pierce his side because he wanted the world to know that he really died but why did he stay around for 40 days with many infallible proofs because he wanted the same world that knew he died to know that he got up He said, I don't want there to be any questions whatsoever. You know that I died. You saw me hang on that cross. And you're aware that I said it is finished. But all that was finished was my work at the cross. And there is life beyond the grave. They may put me in a grave, but I'm not going to stay there for long. It's a borrowed tomb. I'm not going to need it for long. It's not... At all a coincidence that this word is used one solitary time in reference to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He wanted to be certain that it was with infallible proof. Nobody can prove that it didn't happen. Nobody can prove that he did not get up. I want you to know today that There are still people who question the resurrection power of Jesus. But all I can tell you is this. If you've ever come in contact with what it feels like to be alive with him in resurrection. You will never ever question again whether or not he was resurrected. You say, Brother St. Clair, I've been around church all my life. And I just, I don't feel it anymore. I'm going to tell you why. Because you never truly bought out to the power of his resurrection. If you ever let him in. And you ever let it, and you don't question everything that he's doing. Listen, you don't understand his resurrection if you're always questioning his motives. He didn't get up from the grave so that he would look good. He got up from the grave so that no matter what I had done or where I had been. He didn't didn't die and get buried in the grave and get back up because he was a sinner. He was resurrected because I was a sinner. He paid a debt that he did not owe, but it was certainly a debt that I could not pay. I know you're looking around this room today at a bunch of perfect people, and boy, they've got you fooled. (laughs) Because here's the truth. We were all born in sin and shaping in iniquity. We were born in sin. We were born in sorrow. But thank God that one day, 
Thank God I saw the light. And thank God the glorious power of his resurrection got a hold of me. We used to, we used to sing this song often. Something got a hold of me. Now you, you got to feel it. If I, if, I, if I could do it real fast, I'd run over the keyboard and we'd, we'd make this happen real quick. I'm, it's got a little gospel groove to it. You got to kind of feel it. Something got a hold of me. Oh, yes, it did something. Got a hold of me. I love this part. Well, I went to a meeting one night. And my heart wasn't right. But something. See, somebody's heard it before. And we get over to the next part and we'd say something got a hold of me. And then we bust off on the next part and said, it was the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Oh, yes, it was the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Come on, say it. The Holy Ghost. I went to a meeting. Well, I went to a meeting one night. And my heart, and my heart. Y'all sing so pretty. And something got a hold. Woo! If that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. Something got a hold of me. Well, I spoke in tongues, but I didn't feel any different because all you did was speak in tongues. You didn't get the fullness of the Holy Ghost. If he ever touches your life and fills you up with the spirit of the Holy Ghost, you will know beyond a doubt you can never be the same again. I'm, I'm, I'm watching that clock because I don't need nobody's pot roast burning today. But I'm not in a big rush. I want to tell you this. We got too many people that leave him hanging on a cross. You can walk into certain places and see it hanging up there. There he is hanging head. When I look at that, I think, how, what, what a, man, what a sad thought. The God of all glory robed himself in flesh. And there he is hanging up on the cross. I, I, I have a real hard time viewing him today as just this crucified Savior. Because I know that's not the end of the story. But, but I got to get this to somebody today to help you understand that Christianity has never been about just a cross. And, and, and you're going to look at all this and, well, you know, we... We're just going to kind of be reserved and, and it's okay. Whatever happens, happens. Let history record what it wants. No, the resurrection was not recorded for historical understanding. The resurrection was recorded because we see the words of what he says to his disciples. He said to them, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard of me. He said, and ye shall be endued with power. After the Holy Ghost comes on you. Now you'll find people that will tell you that the Holy Ghost is not for everybody. But that's not the kind of God I serve. God's not going to give me a gift that he won't give you. Because God's not a respecter of persons. God doesn't love a Pentecostal more than he loves a Baptist. God doesn't love a Pentecostal more than he loves a Catholic. 
As a matter of fact, people are going to be surprised when they get to heaven and find out they're in the Baptist street and a Methodist street. There's no such thing as a Pentecostal street. There's going to be a street of gold. And if you've been born again of water and spirit, we celebrate the resurrection power of Jesus because it's what happened beyond the grave. Now, these people that were following after him, they weren't following blindly. As a matter of fact, in 2 Peter 1 and 16, Peter said it like this. He said, we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this phrase right here. But we were. This is not a secondhand account, Peter said. We saw him do this. Why do you think it's so important for us to come together in the house of God every week, Pastor? Because there's some things you'll just never believe until you see it happen. Sister Barbara, if I had time today to tell them the story, I'd tell them about right after you came to this church. Had a horrible stroke. I'll never forget that day walking into that hospital. Your husband told me, he said, she can't can't swallow. It was scary. We were all afraid. I remember we rejoiced because you came back to church, but you brought that walker with you. Dragging that leg a little bit, and I'm not making fun. She knows that. She's kind of dragging that leg a little bit. She came in here and couldn't walk without that walker. But I remember. We got it on video. Woo. Boy, I feel something trying to tell this now. I can tell you, but until you see it. She came walking up here with that walker, just dragging that leg. That stroke was bad. Said she'd never be able to eat again or swallow water. Never. But standing right here. We didn't just hear about it. Standing right here. I watched her pick up that walker. That was supporting her. Set it on this platform. And she took off around this church. We have not just heard these things. We have seen these things. What about the resurrection? He got up so you can get up. I'm telling you, say what you want to. If you've been around for a long time, you know I'm not lying to you. There's some things that only happen in a crazy atmosphere like an apostolic church on Sunday. We had Mike Wilson here preaching for us. Some of you may know him. Brother Wilson was here preaching for us in the old sanctuary. He got up and sang and played. One of the most fantastic keyboard players you'll ever hear in your life. He got up, played, sang a little bit. Got after him. Then he stepped up to the pulpit, took his text, started preaching. And... Just a few minutes later, back on the left side, you were probably there, Mike. I don't know if you remember that. This sweet little old black lady came in, was sitting on the on the back. He got to preaching. I thought he was just boring her to death. I was enjoying it. But it looked like the little old lady was just gonna lay over and take a nap right in the middle of church. I'm like, wow. I mean, I've had people snore on me before, but like she's all in. We got, we got to watching it. Brother, Brother Wilson's just up there preaching, you know, going after it, minding his own business, back on the left side. And this little old lady, she just falls over. And somebody shouts out, she has no pulse. Well, of course, we were all just calm, <laughs> cool. 
and collected. Somebody said, oh, my God. Like, I'm talking about in the middle of church. While she's preaching, while, while he's preaching, the woman falls over dead. So my mother's an RN. She walks back there, starts her little deal, feels her pulse. She said, somebody better call the ambulance because I think she's dead. Which comforted all of us. I'm thinking, man, if anybody can find a pulse, my mom can. She's made my heart stop a few times in my life. You know what I'm saying? Mom can do this. So we called the ambulance, which is right here. Thank God for our public servants. And we called the the ambulance, and here they came, 14 fire trucks and 15 ambulance for one lady. They were like, God only knows what's going on at a Pentecostal church. So we got this poor little dead lady laying on, on on the pew, and this fireman comes in. Fully dressed out. Maybe they heard that Pentecost is on fire. I don't know. He comes walking in. He's got a mask and he's got the, well, it's not, I want to say diffuser. I've been around essential oils too much. It's not a diffuser. What do they call that thing? Respirator. See, I just want to make sure y'all weren't sleeping. He comes walking in and I remember, I stepped out in the lobby. I remember it vividly, just as vivid as I could. I stepped out in the lobby. He came in and said, where am I going? I'm like, sir, there's no fire. But this woman's laying in here dead on the pew. Well, in the process of all that, it took them less than five minutes to get here. The church gathered around that woman and got to praying. And some old saint got to rebuking death. Said in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your resurrection. And when we walked in there with all the first responders, that little old lady was sitting up in the pew looking around. She said, I don't know what happened. They said, ma'am, are you okay? She said, I think I'm all right. They put her on, took her to the hospital. She was just fine. Why did he resurrect? So we could resurrect. It's true that we, like the first Christians, are going to have to believe in who he is if we're going to be saved. The Bible said you've got to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We like that, but that first part's important. You've got to believe that he is, period. You've got to believe, period. Yes, I don't mind talking about belief. You've got to believe. You have to believe. But we, just as the first century church, are not jumping off into blind darkness to say, I believe he is who he says he is. Why? Because I've seen the resurrection power of Jesus' work. Can I pick on you, Brother Frank? Can I, will you come here for just a second? Come on, walk with me. This is my man right here. Brother Frank Diaz, come on. You love me, don't you? Come on. This is my man right here. Y'all been here? What? 17 years? 18 years? 20. 20? 20 years. 2002. Man, you're only 35. 40. 40. (laughs) Now, I only know this because he told me this. But this brother had a problem before he came to the Lord. He was was addicted to foreign substances. He was a professional crack addict. He said... Every morning, before he did anything else, every day, 
he, he said, I never missed a payment. He'd get up every day, roll some up, smoke a little bit, light up that crack pipe, go after it a little bit, go to work, spend all his money, trouble in his marriage. Am I lying? Was on the verge of losing everything he had? Three times. And that was how life was supposed to be. I want to tell you right now, some may have known him as Frank the Crack Addict. But I know him as a Holy Ghost filled man that lives in the resurrection power of Jesus. We went up to the jail one night. I was preaching in the jail and Brother Sister Diaz said, Pastor, we want to go with you. I'm like, come on, man. That's kind of lonely, you know. So I go up there to the jail. And I'm like, well, Brother Frank, since you're here, you're going to give a testimony. All right? Okay. So I sing a couple songs. Turn it to him. Brother Frank gets up there and he goes, well, I've been to this jail before. I'm like, oh, I wonder who, I wonder who he came with. <laughs> Am I lying, bro? I thought he was about to say, like, he went up there with Brother McGee or... He was like, I wasn't up here in the chapel. He said, me and my daughter got booked in this jail the same night. He said, but tonight, I'm standing here to tell you that it don't always have to be this way. Thank you, buddy. Why are we so convinced about the resurrection? Because there's life beyond the grave. Oh. <laughs> Whoa! What are you saying, Pastor St. Clair? I'm saying I've never met an addiction that God couldn't handle. When I tell you this today, I would never embarrass anybody in this church. And I didn't embarrass Brother Frank right then. That's his testimony. And he loves to tell it. I would never embarrass anybody. But I'm going to tell you something. There's people in this church today. They're here right now. You'd never know by looking at them. But when they came here, they were homeless. Didn't have a penny to their name. Didn't have anything. But they met the resurrected Savior. Why are you telling us all of this? Because I want you to know that what you're facing may be impossible with men, but it's not impossible with God. I'm hurrying. Everybody doing all right? Man, I can tell you testimony after testimony. I can tell you about a young man in this church when God delivered him from smoking pot and drinking. First time he got back with his buddies, driving down the road, going to a concert. They handed him a bottle. He said, oh, thanks. What's wrong with you, Jesus boy? That's not what they really said. But. What's wrong with you? I don't do that anymore. You, you can't just not do that anymore. 
Oh, yes. Yes, you can. Because when you got a made up mind and you got a resurrected Savior, there is nothing too hard for God. You are not so far away today that God cannot reach you where you are. You are not so far away from God that God can't pick you up and turn you around today. He still makes a difference in lives. As we were preparing for Easter Sunday, I was praying, seeking God. To be honest with you, I take preaching very seriously. I, it, it's, it's something that's been in me all my life that I, I fear the Lord. I don't want to miss God. I don't want to just get up and say something because there's people there. And I was seeking the Lord like, what, what, what could we do? Who's going to be there, God? How can I help somebody? And I came across this story. To be honest with you, I've never, I've never seen it. I've read a lot of books. I've read a lot of history, a lot of it. Never seen it before. But in Valladolid, Spain, where it's the city where Christopher Columbus actually died in 1506. There stands a monument there to the great explorer, Columbus. And the monument, if, if, I, if, if our projectors would show it better, I'd show it to you. But the monument rests on this partial pyramid base with statues underneath at the four corners of courage and study and history and navigation on each side. The top of the statue has a boat on rough seas riding atop a globe of the world. Now, it was round because they said the world was flat. So... They got Columbus in this boat on top of a round globe. And on this boat stands a statue that's representing faith and holding a cross that's standing behind Columbus because of so many things that had transpired. But that was not what caught my attention. I love history. But there was something on this monument that caught my attention until I started researching. I'd never seen this before in my life. And it blew my mind. It was like the Lord just handed this to me. Someone made reference at a funeral, and I'm like, I don't know about that. So I, st I, I started researching. I want to know what this is all about. Its most interesting feature on this sculpture, this, this structure, is the statue of this lion at the bottom. You've got the globe, and wrapped around the globe is this banner that has some Latin words on them. And there's this lion that's reaching up, and I hope I'm painting a picture for you, but this lion is reaching up with his right paw, and he is destroying a two-letter word that is, it's like in crumbles, falling off. Whoever did it was amazing. You could see the word collapsed, and it's like falling beneath his paw. You can see it falling down. Now, these three words that are written on this banner had been a part of Spain's motto for Forever, as long as they were established, it, it was on their, uh, on their flag, on their standard, everywhere they went. It was all over Spain. It was all over the known world. Matter of fact, people who were involved in, in Greek mythology and all of that kind of stuff, they said that, that Zeus had, had made these pillars set up by Gibraltar, two great big pillars. And these three Latin words were written on those pillars. It was engraved in stone. It was engraved in their minds. It was everywhere. So before Columbus has made his voyage, all of the Spaniards believed because it's what they had always been taught that Spain was the outer limits of the earth. There's nowhere else to go from here. This is it. This is the end of the line. But on his first voyage, Columbus sailed through unknown waters to an unknown destination. Before he makes this voyage, the only thing that people know is that this is it. This is over. As a matter of fact, 
Those same three words are written on the left side of all of their maps. Right on the side of the map. Same three words that's on this banner that was on the post by Gibraltar. It's on every map. Same three words. Everywhere. Everywhere they looked, these three words were there. The three words were this. Nay plus ultra. Which means no more beyond. Christopher Columbus was raised in a society that in every direction you looked, it said no more beyond. There's nothing beyond here. Don't ever try to sail the waters because there's nothing beyond. While the world was convinced that there was nothing more beyond, Christopher Columbus was not. His ships returned to the discovery of a land of wealth and opportunity beyond that were marked by the dawning of a new age. The world forever changed. And so the king of Spain himself, he changed the mantra of these people from nay plus ultra to plus ultra. And that is what the lion is destroying in the picture is the two-letter word nay, N-E, which means no. The lion is destroying the idea of no. That there is nothing beyond here. And because somebody chose to break the mold and say the way that I was raised has got to be all that there is. These drug habits that I have, it's got to be all that it is. But as I looked at this sculpture and I kept staring and staring, and staring I'm like, God, there's got to be something in this. And all of a sudden it dawns on me as I look at this and I can't speak for the author, the sculptor, whatever, but I can speak for what the Lord spoke to me when I looked at that. I saw this mighty lion that was swiping this no away. This said, there's nothing beyond here. And I thought the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. When the world says to you there's nothing beyond how you're living right now, the line of the tribe of Judah says, Poof, what you need to know is there's more beyond here. There's more beyond this life. There's more beyond the sorrow. There's more beyond addiction. There's more beyond brokenness. And there's more beyond the grave. Why do we continue to live like this? Because our old bodies wear out. I've been to more funerals than I care to go to. That doesn't mean if you pass away I won't preach a funeral. Don't say that. I'm going to tell you, these old tents, this old body, is wearing out. Our minds are literally wearing out as we're sitting here, what we got left. You know, just since I started talking, you've lost probably 4,000 brain cells. It's true. By the time you leave here today and get to your car and go to lunch, you've probably lost around 7,000. That's what science tells us. Sales you can never get back. Now, I know some of you, your sales took a pretty good hit in high school. <laughs> but the point is, I know some of you are thinking, Pastor, as long as you preach, I bet I've lost 15,000. point is that time and years take their toll. There's some who
who live out their whole lives under the shadow of a weak, earthly tent. And they think that all they've got is just this time here on earth. But when this old tent wears out, they're going to put me in a casket. They're going to put me in the ground. You know, our bodies are funny. I didn't believe people. They used to tell me all the time, Brother Castro, that after 30, you just start feeling different. Like, whatever. They're like, oh, you just wait till 40. I'm like, whatever. I'm like, I can eat whatever I want. They're like, yes, you can. You can do whatever you want to do. But these old bodies are going to wear out. If you're over 30, over 40, climb on up. I can't speak for older than that. I'm 40 years old. But you know that what, our, what, what the Bible calls this old earthly tent, it's going to wear out. It's going to be a little harder to walk than it used to be. You understand that? I was reading about a story. These, three, uh, for these four friends, they were 30 years old. They met for a reunion after years of not seeing each other. If you don't like humor, then I'm, I'm sorry. Just buy me a hamburger later. They met for a reunion after years of not seeing each other and decided they were going to go to dinner. So someone suggested the restaurant, Glowing Embers Restaurant, they said, because they have attractive servers there. So all four men agreed and said, yeah, they do have pretty servers, so let's go there. Well, 15 years later, they had another reunion. They discussed where to have dinner. and Someone suggested Glowing Embers because the food was good and the decor was very nice, and they all agreed. They went to Glowing Embers. Well, another 15 years have passed. Now they're together. They're 60 years old. And when the subject came up to where to eat, they all suggested uh, Glowing embers, because they could eat there in peace and quiet. No one would bother them. They all agreed. They all went to Glowing Embers restaurant to eat. Fifteen years later, amazingly, Glowing Embers got the vote again, 75. They went to Glowing Embers restaurant. Why? Well, because that place, you know, it's easily accessible. They've got an elevator. Be good. Fifteen years later, they're 90 years old. They're all still meeting for dinner. 15 years later, 90 years old. They're trying to figure out where to eat. They know it's probably going to be their last reunion. There's not going to be 100, 110, 150. not going to happen. They're 90 years old. And someone said, where do you want to eat? And one of them spoke up and said, I, I think we ought to try that place called Glowing Embers because I've never eaten there before. They all agreed. There may come a day that things don't come as easy for you as they used to. There may come a day that things don't mean the same thing to you as they mean to you right now. But this is one thing I know. There is one solid foundation that I can stand on. That if in this world right here, my body is consumed and this body wears out and they put me in the ground. I want you to know. There is hope beyond the grave. Because of the resurrection power of Jesus. When you've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you need to know there's going to be another resurrection morning. The Bible said that the dead in Christ are going to rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. And so shall we be forever with them in the presence of the Lord. I want to
to tell you there is hope beyond the grave today. Let's stand, shall we? I've got so much more I could preach. As my great-grandfather used to say, the mind can only comprehend what the seat can endure. Listen to me, church family. I'm so glad that you're here on this Easter Sunday. Please hear me. Know my heart. I'm so glad that you're here. But I want you to know that we serve a resurrected Savior. That has done more than just get up from the ground. He's done more than just get up out of the grave. He told his disciples in John 14, he said, I've got to go away. But I'm not going to leave you comfortless. He said, I will come again to you. I will send the Spirit in my Father's name, which you have heard of me. I want you to understand that beyond the grave, beyond the resurrection, there is a blessed hope that you and I can live. Not just die. We can live in the resurrection power of Jesus. And when God gets a hold of your life, I want to tell you, people are going to look at you different forever. Because when you walk in, you don't smile like you used to. You got a new smile. Don't, don't judge everybody by somebody. You know what I'm saying? I know there's some folks you look at and you're like, mm, if that's what it's all about, I don't know. L- listen, some folks just like sour grapes. And it don't matter if we had church seven days a week, they're not going to smile. Now, those people I was talking about, you know, they, they're negative. They test negative all the time. But you can tell somebody that has been plugged into the resurrection power of Jesus. Because when troubles come and trials come and the waves are crashing and the thunder is booming and the lightning is flashing in their life, this is what they say. It's okay. God's got it. What, 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 are you, what are you going to do if God doesn't heal you? What, what are you going to do if you die? It's okay. Because he can either heal me here or he can heal me there. I know there's people in this room today that have questions as to why God hasn't done certain things for you that you've asked him to do. I understand that. I've buried people that I thought God was going to raise up. I've prayed for people that I thought God was going to heal, and He didn't. And so I had to come to the conclusion that His resurrection power is not for me to know everything. His resurrection power is for me to know this, that when I can't find answers to my questions, I know the answer to my life. You're here today. I feel the sweet presence of the Lord. You're here today because someone maybe invited you. You're here today because this is your home church. But I want to tell you, your steps are divinely ordered of the Lord today. You're here today because you obeyed that drawing of the Spirit of the Lord. Yes, somebody invited you, but you're here today because God wanted you here. I've come to encourage somebody today by the Spirit of the Lord. I don't know what you're going through, but God does. I don't know what you're facing, but God does. Every head bowed and every eye closed right now. There's nobody here to judge you. There's nobody here to feel bad about you. We're all humans. We all have problems. We understand that. But if you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I've gone through some dark times in my life and I'm struggling. 
Would you just slip your hand up right now? Nobody, nobody's going to make fun of you. Nobody's watching. I could use a little help from the Lord today. Thank you for your honesty. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, I've walked away from the Lord. I had one time a relationship with God, but I've kind of slipped away from the Lord. And I just want to renew that resurrection power of my life today. Would you just slip your hand up? That's all right. Come on. There's no reason to feel uncomfortable at all right now. There is such a gentle nudge of the Holy Spirit in this room right now that desires to help somebody and heal somebody. These altars are open today, and I, I understand it may not be what you're used to doing, but if you would like to, I want you to know these altars are open, and you're welcome to join us here right now. There's no hype involved in this. I slowed this down for a reason, because this is not just about emotionalism. This is not just about hype. This is about a God who knows exactly where you are right now. And he's reaching for your heart today, saying, I'll work if you'll let me work. I'll love you if you'll let me love you today. That's it. Thank you for responding today. Don't worry about what people think about you right now. Don't, don't, listen, don't worry about what people are going to say. If you need a touch in your heart today from I'm inviting you to just slip your hands up in the air and submit to the Lord. Say, Lord, just touch me right now. Touch my mind. Lord, I need you to heal me today. I need you to heal my mind. I've been in some dark places. I, I, I felt the, the grip of grief. I felt the brokenness of sorrow. God, would you just touch me? I don't understand everything about you, Lord. I don't understand everything about church. I don't... I don't understand everything about religion, God, but I do know I've been told today that you are resurrected and you can heal me. That's it, church. That's beautiful. Just let the Lord touch your heart. As you lift your hand and you begin to speak to the Lord, you're going to feel his presence come close to you right now. There's no shame in this house today. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Pastor St. Clair, I'm a sinner. I don't have any right. Listen. None of us have a right today. It's by His resurrection power that we're able. It's not because I'm worthy. It's because His blood has made me worthy. That's it. That's so beautiful today. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe it's been a while since you felt the presence of the Lord. It's been a while since you've been in a church. But just let the Lord touch you today.